Tandem Nomad episode 256. If you're a marketer or an entrepreneur, everybody's coming at you and telling you that you need to know more, 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 and more. I'm the first person to tell you that you have permission to think small, think about doing fewer things, doing them better, and using them as your guide as you move forward in your journey. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host. I am Emel Deregi. I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. Today, I want to talk to you about something that we tend to neglect at as solo entrepreneurs, which is data, making sure to track the data of your business. So there's various different types of data in the business to look at. But today we're going to look specifically at those related to Google Analytics and maybe other data that we'll talk about that you can follow in your business to make sure to go in the right direction. So to talk about this topic, I have a great expert. I'm really excited to have Jeff Sauer on the show. Hello, Jeff. And are you ready for this ride? I'm so ready. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure, Jeff. So Nomad Nation, Jeff Sauer is the founder of Data Driven, a business coach, a blogger at Jeff Analytics, a lecturer, and a five-time Inc. 5000 award-winning agency owner. He's a firm believer in data-driven marketing. Jeff was named as one of the top 25 most influential PPC experts, and his work has been featured in many industry publications and best of lists. He has trained 19,000 thousand students in the art of data-driven marketing, building up his fully remote business over the past six years while on the road across over 50 countries. He is ready to continue sharing unique insights on data in the marketplace, micro-investing, and the digital nomad world. Jeff wants to help people realize digital marketing could be their strength and something they enjoy doing, whether they are entrepreneurs, corporate leaders, or freelancers on the road interested in learning how small data works in order to build profitable businesses. This was like a short overview of who you are, Jeff. Before we get started about data, I would love if you could tell us how you got into building your business all about helping people know more about data and track the data. Sure. So I graduated from college and one of the few times when nobody wanted to hire people with computer science degrees, um, there was no jobs available. So I, I had to figure out how to make ends meet. And I decided that I would make websites for people uh, as a freelancer. And as I was freelancing, people said, how do I get traffic to my website? And I said, I don't know, I'll go figure it out. And so I started just looking around and discovering how Google works, how search engine traffic works, how marketing works, how analytics works. And I, and I basically self-taught myself how all these things work and parlayed that into a career as a service provider for, for some big companies and some smaller companies doing their marketing and their data. Um, that was sort of a new industry back in the mid 2000s. And I loved it so much that the passion just exuded and I started to bring on new clients, bigger challenges and was quite successful in that area. And, and while I was doing that, while I was teaching people or while I was learning, I also, you know, I try to hire people to make my company expand and I couldn't find anybody. I couldn't find any talented people that knew how these platforms worked. And so I started teaching at a university, teaching at a trade school as well, and teaching online in order to increase the number of people who had who gave themselves permission to learn this stuff, to learn this new area, this new focus area. 
And while I was doing that, I realized, hmm, there's nothing that ties me down to the state of Minnesota unless I could probably do this anywhere. <laughs> and so I sort of decided that I was in a stop working as an agency provider and and just go and start something new and, and focus entirely on an online business and entirely on a business that that educates people, that, that trains people to be more comfortable with digital marketing. And that's that's what brings us to where we are today. What a fascinating story. And always starts with fixing a problem, right? You found this problem that you can exactly. hire people in the field and and you decided to just help them. This is fabulous. Did you do that while traveling? Because you mentioned that you have been traveling a lot. Have you been developing data driven while traveling around the world? Exactly. Yeah. So I I was very tied to a presence in the state of Minnesota in the, the middle of the United States. Like that was that was my whole life. Um, and then my wife said, I don't want to live here anymore. It's a it's a place where the winters are very cold. Like if you look at today um, in Fahrenheit, the temperature today is in the negatives. Um, and, and in Celsius, it's, it's in the negatives the whole winter, right? So it's, it's, uh, you know, probably minus 10, minus 12 Celsius right now, um, in that place, my wife said, no, we're, we got to go. So we moved, we moved around a little bit, just trying to sort of figure out, okay, well, we liked living in Minnesota, but we didn't like the winters. What was the equivalent? And then seven years later, we never really found the perfect place. And we sort of were chasing the eternal summer, chasing the, just trying to figure out where we fit in with where we would be with where we wanted to settle down and put some roots and so that was sort of the you know while we were doing that well unfortunately the business that i had in minnesota and all my connections there were very location dependent like right. i had to be there and so i i made a choice that everybody thought was stupid <laughs> um everybody just just criticized and that was saying i'm giving it all up <laughs> like i i can't do this i'm i'm going to reinvent myself try to find success elsewhere in order to support this idea of working on the internet versus working on a physical location dependent business. And that, that's something I started doing in around right at, in 2013. And it took a while. It, it was a lot, really hard to reinvent myself, uh, a lot of struggles. But then around 2015, I started to emerge from the, the self-doubt and from the imposter syndrome and start to think, oh, I actually think I have something here. And, and that something was moving my in-person classroom training online. So I finally, I finally found a way to get it online and to make it so that people would want to buy it and how to market it and everything like that. And that was the turning point where I said, okay, I can, I can actually not only have a sustainable business, but my wife can quit her stable job and we can both live off of my income and travel the world. So um, that yeah, I, I invented the role in the business a little bit before we we sold everything and put it and you know sold all of our possessions. But then after that, it, it all started and, and thrived on in like without a without a permanent address really, you know, without so a cool. anything but a PO box in the U.S. This is so cool. What a leap of faith that you've taken with your wife to just quit everything and do it, right? It's really super cool. And I appreciate that you talked about the fact that it wasn't like from a day to another, you went through a journey to be able to be as successful as you are today. And you mentioned, you know, reinventing yourself this is something that our listeners are very familiar with, as well as the imposter syndrome. So any tip that you want to share before we get into our topic today about how you manage to deal with that, to face that imposter syndrome and turn it around? I think everybody has to go through a journey to get over imposter syndrome. So I'm not sure that I can give somebody a shortcut, but yeah. I can give you a, I can tell you what the moment that I had was. And it was just, I simply, it was validation, I think is what I was looking for. And validation for me 
really came in the form of once I made that leap of faith, I ended up getting more opportunities. I ended up getting more opportunities to speak on stage. I got more opportunities to to guest on other people's online courses. I got more opportunities to contribute to blogs. I was included in these best of lists and so on. And so I think it was a combination of just little wins that made me realize that not only am I not an imposter, but I'm, I'm the one that, you know, like people look up to me now, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, I, I, I had my mentors going through or the people that I looked up to. And suddenly I would go to like, there's a prime example is I went to Estonia in 2016 maybe it was 2017, either way. Um, and I went both years, actually 2016 and 2017, but I spoke on stage in 2017 and somebody came up to me and told me that I'm their guru and that they follow everything. And there's a line of 10 people waiting to get their picture taken with me. And I was like, what is going on here? Why is this, you know, why, why is that? And, and suddenly I realized at some point there was never a magic moment, but at some point I was no longer the imposter. I was the one that people are looking up to and I suddenly had a platform. I actually had the, I was, I was the one people listened to and it, it completely changed how I think about myself and how I think about the world. Like, oh, I can actually do good now. I can help people. I can help people get over their imposter syndrome. I can bring people up in a way that I maybe didn't have. And so I try to, you know, it, it, it flipped once I realized that I was no longer the learning one. I was the one teaching or I was the one that was leading. So inspiring. I love that. Thanks for sharing that, Jeff. So let's talk about data. And uh, well, let's start with the basics, actually. What is small data, actually? I think maybe we should we, could, we should define the parameter of our discussion here. What would you call small data? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the background context behind small data is that in recent years, governments and major platforms like Apple have taken a stand about data collection by big tech companies. Mm-hmm. And basically 10 years ago, or even three years ago, anybody could collect any data they wanted to pretty much without any kind of repercussions. Like they could collect anything they wanted to, and it was not transparent at all. Like you didn't know what was being collected on you. They would store it in cookies. They would take your data and they'd mash it up with other sources. And it was sort of just rampantly, everybody could, you know, you, you're, there's a profile of you on the internet and you had really no say in it. Mm-hmm. And then in Europe, they they passed the GDPR and which is the general data privacy regulation. And that allows you certain rights with your data. And then California a year later passed the CCPA, the California Consumer Protection Act. And now, and then Apple a year after that said, okay, well, our iOS operating system is no longer going to allow rampant third-party cookie tracking. So basically if you install an app, that app can't communicate with other apps, which communicate with other apps that share your behavior. And all these things have converged to the point where not only is it no longer cool to collect as much data as you can, it's in some ways, many ways, it's illegal or unethical or against standards, against terms of services of platforms and so on. And so we're in this this crazy convergence where when there was no repercussions, collecting as much data as you can was probably a good thing or it was not really a frowned upon thing because everybody was doing it, right? right? Well, now not everybody's able to do it and not everybody should do it. And so I, I, I basically said, and I, and I had been feeling this way for a while, but I was like, why don't I just tell people and give them permission to collect less data by creating a framework that shows them how much data they need for the phase they are in business. And so I have a graphic that we, maybe we can put into the, into the show notes, yeah. but it's called the small data framework. And it just so happened to work out. Maybe I forced this a little bit that it's five letters small, S-M-A-L-L, 
and it defines where you're at as a company, how much data you should collect. So if you're a solopreneur, which I, I believe some of the people on this will be solopreneurs, you really only need one key performance indicator or KPI in order to track whether your business is doing well, because one person can really only be responsible for one thing. And so you might not really need to leverage a lot of data. You just need to make sure that you're generating income or revenue. That's like your main KPI, because that's all you care about. Because once you hit a certain amount of revenue, then you can maybe hire somebody to, to then be more of a specialist in the marketing function or in your business. The next one is M, it's micro. So micro simply means it's a few people. Maybe it's you and a founder, a co-founder. Maybe it's you, co-founder, and a marketing person. You know, less than five people on your team. Well, in that case, you can usually have two or three different key performance indicators you want to track in order to make your business know how you're successful. And one key performance indicator is going to be on the top of funnel side or the, the awareness for your business. And one will be on the sales or revenue side. And then as you get bigger, you know, the A... It's, I, I've used a few different terms for this, but it's um, autonomous or a company that has marketing autonomy where they actually have a marketing department, if you will. Mm -hmm. That's when they're in, you know, when you're in the, maybe in the million plus dollars in revenue and you have a, somebody whose job is marketing, who's not a founder of the company. Once you're in that area, or I, I've used autonomous or agile, they both sort of work. Yeah. That's when you can sort of give KPIs or key performance indicators for your entire marketing funnel. So you can say, I have an awareness goal. I have an interest goal. I have a decision goal, and then I have an action goal or a revenue goal. And so that's the AIDA model, which is a classic, you know, 100-year-old marketing model um, that, that we use to sort of determine every marketing activity should fit into one of those four functions. And then you go on, there's the two L's at the end. There's leveraged, which is when you leverage consultants and experts to, to make your data clean, to make sure you're tracking the right things. And the final one is leading edge. And that is when you're a leader in the market. That's when you're doing things like data science. That's when you're doing stuff like big data. That's when you have mm -hmm. all the data that you need because you have a team that cares about data. And the, and the whole point behind small data is that a lot of companies, a lot of people in, in an early position of a company or in a smaller business, they think they need to do what Amazon is doing, or they think they need to do what Google, you know, these big tech companies are doing. And I'm here to say that no, that's not the expectation. I'm a teacher of this thing. I'm, I'm not teaching you to do that stuff. You need to evolve to that point. You almost you need to go through the steps. You need to go through the motions. And once you find success with one thing, build on top of it. And so small data is always about, do I need this? It's almost like for, for an analogy that we can, that many of us can understand, it's like the Marie Kondo method for mm -hmm. organizing your closet. <laughs> right, does this great... data bring you joy? Does collecting this data, does looking at this report every week, does that make you happy? Or has it served its purpose? And if it served its purpose, say, thank you for your service. I'm no longer going to pay attention to you. I'm going to let you go, right? It's de-hoarding your clutter of your business. And, and I think that a lot of people don't really think they have permission to do that because, you know, that, that's been there. It's always been there. And I'm, I'm one to say, and, and, and this, is, this is fact, I, I, my business is called data-driven. I am very data-driven. And that mm. is, I get rid of stuff all the time that used to help me. Numbers that helped me in the past no longer help me anymore. And I say, okay, we don't need that anymore. And it's controversial. It is painful to get rid of something that maybe got you through a certain point in your business. But the whole, the whole idea behind small data is that not only is it okay, you're actually doing yourself a service and perhaps you're keeping yourself a law-abiding citizen as well.
Exactly. I was just thinking about that. I'm like, I love how you brought this whole explanation of small data and also the different types of data. So definitely, I'd love to share that visual on the show notes of this episode because I think it's going to be very helpful. So Nomad Nation, you'll go to the show notes of this episode and we'll put it there. Um, but there is something as well that you said that I want to highlight that I 100% agree with you about this whole overwhelm that some people feel about data, first of all, for not understanding it or just having too much of it. And I love that you have this holistic approach, almost mindfulness approach of numbers and data on one hand to not get overwhelmed and be more effective with what we need to focus on, but also serve the bigger purpose of also being very mindful of how we manage people's data. We don't want to, yeah. to hoard people's data that we don't need knowing that any data by now should be collected with consent. So that's really important yes. as well to mention. Um, let's go back to the context of the solo entrepreneur or small business owners. What is that one data that you think is the most important data to actually track? And why is it important? Like any good professional and any good teacher, I'm going to give you an answer that you're not going to be happy with. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, and that is, it depends, but I'm going to, I'm not going to say to leave us hanging on it depends and then say next question. I'm going to, I'm going to give us some context. So I have another thing here that maybe would be interesting to put in the notes too. So I, sure. I have a, I have a document here. It's, it's about 30 pages and it's called the best e-commerce KPIs and reports. And this is specifically geared towards somebody who runs like a, a e-commerce business. I pull through and I, and I do 25 different KPIs and I give the answers on this thing too. So you can fill in what I, okay. what I say, or if, we actually have a filled in version, which we'll, I'll send to you. That would be great. And these 25 KPIs, so I'm just going to give you a few of them. So I, first of all, the answer is you shouldn't use all 25, but I give 25 ideas. And that way, what I like about giving ideas is because whatever type of business you have, you might hear me say something and you might be like, oh yeah, that's the one, that's the one that I really like, right? So I like to give people ideas and then and then you get to make a choice of which of those do you want? Do you want, you know, which two do you want of these ones that I have? And this is not necessarily from Google Analytics. I actually have a whole Google Analytics section, but let me give you some examples. Profit per customer, that might be your KPI. Like how much profit do you get per customer? Gross margins, like are you keeping a good margin on your sales, like your product costs low? Um, Sales forecasting by month is your forecast just overall top line revenue so you can meet a budget. Inventory, profit and loss, like your PL statement. That's another one. And this is from your e-commerce software. So if you're running e-commerce, overall revenue by time. So like what's your revenue by time period? How much revenue per product? How much revenue per product category? So a category of products, if you group them together. Loyalty of your customer. If you have a subscription-based business, how, how are your subscriptions looking and what are your turn rates? What are your KPIs around subscription? Coupon usage and discounts. Are you using a lot of coupons? Um, and I'm going to get, let me just do the Google Analytics one, then I'll, I'll sort of wrap it up and we can talk. For e-commerce or for Google Analytics, your conversion rate, your mm -hmm. attribution, how do you attribute revenue to the different traffic sources you send to your site? Your path to purchase. Traffic sources are, is it paid media versus your email marketing versus organic search and so on. And so those are some ideas as to things that I look at and I build dashboards that pull in a, either one or many of those. And that's, that's a part of what we do at data driven. So we do our courses. And then we also, if you want a preformed dashboard that you can just fill in your numbers, we have those for sale on our site too. Wow. Okay, great. I'll put the link so that the, our listeners can find that as well. So many great data is, and I do see how important those are, but I can 
already hear my audience saying, oh my God, are you serious yeah. that I have to track all of that? So the, the easy one is like, for a small business, if I just pared it down into two things, I would track your conversion rate in Google Analytics mm. and the traffic source, where are you getting traffic from? Those are my two favorite things. Like, how do they get there? And what do they do when they're on your site? I love that. Those two things are my my two favorites. Yeah. And a, any business can say, yeah, how much traffic did I get or where did it come from? And then how many of them turned into leads or sales? Amen to that. A hundred percent. And we'll talk more about your expertise on analytics because you you have started, I think, your career in Google Analytics or something like that, right? Now you develop so yeah, much yeah. more than that. But I was like really interested in your background in that and your expertise in that. But definitely, I love that you bring up the fact that there's more than just data as data to track, but also at the top of the funnel to the bottom of the funnel, there's so many data to, to look at that could be helpful. The key is to know what problem we want to solve in our business, where are we struggling and what data can help us to better, I think at the yeah, end of the no. day. Um, in terms of marketing, as we talk a lot in Tandem Nomads about marketing, I wonder what's your take on this? The one data that I usually really recommend my clients to focus on and the only one that matters for me beyond followers and all of that is the size of their email list and the size of people who actually sign up to their email list. I wonder what's your take on that or if you have anything you want to add to that. Yeah, I mean, email marketing is hands down the most profitable form of marketing in the world. <laughs> um, the marginal cost per email you send is almost nothing, you know? So every email you send doesn't really cost you anything to an individual, it's, it's cents on the dollar versus like, you know, with Google ads, which I'm, I'm very, a big proponent of Google ads, but you know, that, that costs dollars per click, right? And that's not even guaranteed. So email is very high profit. When you say the most important metric to look at is their list, that is definitely the top of funnel or towards the top of funnel for my small data method too. So if I were to say one thing, I would say that the number two thing is, is impressions or, and, or size of your list, right? Okay. The amount of people, the addressable audience is, is, is a top two. Now, I think there should be a revenue component of some sort, but maybe as a business is getting established, especially if they're just figuring out if they have a business or not, there's more momentum at the top of the funnel than there is in the bottom, right? Because right. we know that an email list will turn into money. And in fact, I, I have a number in my head that I use for every email subscriber. And I think this is true for most email lists. It's usually in the $10 range per subscriber per year. That's been pretty true for what I've seen. So for example, you're, if you tell people, focus on your list, basically that you can say, even if this doesn't make you money right away, having permission to market somebody's worth $10, what would you do differently with that information? Would you work harder to get emails? Would you email more often? If you're sort of struggling and you're sort of figuring out, especially as a solo or a very small business, what's the next step? That is an anchor point that both means that if you can grow your email list, that means you're doing well on things like Instagram or however you're however you're finding people. And then also you're, you're basically getting them to give you permission to, to make $10 off of them neck every year moving forward. And so I could see that being a good middle point and it's and it's a good thing to say. I can really see how you must be a great teacher and mentor when it's about data. I absolutely love how you're bringing this um, perspective, like look at it in terms of song conversion, how, how much you would be motivated if you looked at it in terms of earnings, what each subscribers can bring in terms of revenue. When I can complete what you're saying with one thing that I do often with my clients, which is when they go into launch mode, is to 
then measure the conversion rate. Like when they launch their product is yeah. to say, okay, among X number of people on my list, let's say we have a hundred people on your list and you had three people buy, then you have a 3% conversion rate. And that's an important measure to, to track because usually the more we grow, the more hopefully we improve that conversion rate. And yeah, that yeah, one yeah. is telling us how good we're doing and what's working, what's not in a way too. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I mean, that, I like, I like that. Um, I have found that conversion rate from email to sales is, is it's definitely a good benchmark, right? Or good, a good, uh, pulse, especially if you're, if you're sort of building up a list for an event, like a launch mm -hmm. or a major campaign. Yeah, that's good. Although I, th I think that there's a lot of misnomers around conversion rate that I'll just say is like, if you, if you have a hundred people on your list and you get a 3% conversion rate, that's, that's pretty good. That's better than I do. on a lot of my campaigns, however, you can even break it down even further. You can say, of the hundred people on my list, you know, there, there's multiple waypoints between conversion rate. And this is, this is why I got into analytics in the first place. Cause, cause a hundred people on my list, three conversions is not enough data for me. And it's not enough for me to be satisfied because it's like a black box, three bot 97, who knows what they did. Mm -hmm. I want to know about those 97 people who didn't buy. I love that. And this is the, the problem that I set out to solve. And so, you know, there's waypoints, there's, there's in between data points. And this is why I like the idea of a funnel because every single one of these things is truly a funnel and you want to find your leaks. Right. And so a leak from an email is obviously open rate, but then there's click rate. So you could go hundred emails sent 30 opened 10% click through rate. That means that only three people, or that means that 10 people clicked on it, three people bought that's a 30% sales page conversion rate. That is unheard of. <laughs> that is so good that you would be like, you know, you're one of the better people on the internet if you can get 30 or three out of 10 people who visited your sales page to buy. But if you only get a 1% click-through rate or, or, you know, whatever, then, then what you're starting to understand is that, oh, the problem here isn't my sales page. It's that not enough people go to the sales page. Then you do a better... Mm -hmm. You know, then then you do a better call to action. Maybe you have a, a button that changes a different color to, to call to action, or you put the link in there twice, or you or you don't ramble as much at the beginning and you give them the, the meat at the end to the link, or you warm them up first and then you send them a link. And then as far as open rates go, then if it's open rate problem, like, you know, everybody who opens clicks, but nobody opens, then you get a better subject line. You do a subject line test. You do, a, you do the preview line. You make that better, right? Like there's so many things you can do and that's that's where it's so fun, right? Because yeah, I'm smiling. I was like, yes, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because every one of these things, every everything you learn, everything you fix, creates an opportunity to fix something else. Yeah. And that's sort of how this works, right? The the yeah. default answer is you get zero sales, zero people, <laughs> and we don't want that. But yeah. the ones who you see who are successful, they're the ones who do that experimentation in between. They don't just take. 3% as normal, they say, how do I get that better? How do I get the 3%? If I can double that, then I double the revenue for my business. That's that's very important to do. Amen. Amen to that. And Nomad Nation, this might feel like jargon. I, I'm like so having fun right now because I love to geek <laughs> over this. And I love that you are so clear how you present these complex notions. One thing I want to warn our listeners is, is that the reason why I'm asking my clients and you and Nomad Nation who are listening to start tracking your data as early as possible, even if you can't do anything with the data now, it's going to help you so much when you're ready to actually analyze what's working, what's not. So even if you can't do it so early, analyze the, the logics that we're explaining here, start now collecting the data that you can 
with GDPR consent and all of that, of course, because down the road, it's going to help you get better by analyzing yeah. those numbers, like Jeff was explaining. So I love that. Thanks for that great explanation. Could you give us a little couple of tips? I know that the one uh, type of analytics that also is a little bit of a gray zone and a big cloud for people is this whole Google Analytics when it's so critical and important, like it feels like a, it's a black box as well. So anything you can shed light on regarding Google Analytics without going too much into like the tech aspects of it, uh, what do yeah, you think we sure. should know of as a small business? Yeah, so the really quick answer for Google Analytics is one is it's not difficult to install especially if you're using like a major platform to host your website or you're using a, a cart software, almost every one of those has a Google Analytics integration. And so you can sign up for a Google Analytics account. They're going to give you an account number or account ID. Just, just I'll say this because if you sign up for a Google Analytics account now for the first time, it's in a weird transition period where there's the old Google Analytics and now there's one called Google Analytics 4, the new one. Mm. Um, at this point in time, they're going to default to saying Google Analytics 4, um, but most plugins are built for Google Analytics 3 or the old one. And so you may need to sort of reverse, you might need to go to Google Analytics 3 or say, I want I want classic Google Analytics in order for this to work with your plugin. But basically you put the code, the ID that your Google Analytics is in there, and then they'll do all the tracking for you automatically. You'll start, like it'll just automatically feed Google Analytics with data about who came to your site, where they came from and so on. But in doing that, that's easy, but but there's three tips, there's three things that, that Google Analytics does really well, better than any other tool in the world. The first one is, and we call them the ABCs, okay? ABC. A is acquisition. Acquisition means how did somebody come to your site? Traffic source. So there, Google Analytics is the best tool in the world at figuring out what traffic source came to your site. Generally, if you have an email list, it may be, maybe it's email, maybe it's your paid ads if you're doing that. Maybe if you're blogging, it's, it's organic search. Um, to get your acquisition reports right, they do have these things called campaign tracking that you need to add to your URLs. So every time you send an email, either you click the button in MailChimp or whatever your mail software is to, to integrate with Google Analytics and they'll do it for you, or you need to, to learn how to do URLs, which... Um, it's really easy to find a URL builder, but I'm, I'm on the verge of getting too complicated here. So <laughs> yeah. for, the acquisition, for the acquisition report, make sure that Google knows how somebody came to your site. Yeah. And email is the biggest one that you need to train Google to do. And, and there's usually a button in your email software to integrate with Google Analytics. The middle one is behavior. That is, what did they do on your site? Like, what pages did they go to? Um, that one sort of just works out of the box. There are some enhancements you can do, but for the purposes of just getting used to this, you don't need to do anything at all. It'll just tell you what pages they went to. The final one, C, is conversion. That one does require some configuration. You need to teach Google Analytics what makes what is success on your site. Usually that's when somebody gives you their email address or when they buy something, depending on where you're at. And so you, your conversion can be leads and, or it can be sales, but you need to set up Google Analytics to do that. There's a lot of articles on the internet about how to do this. I have entire suites of courses. I've, I've talked about this a lot, um, probably too visual to, to talk about on a podcast, you know, yeah. but that's, yeah, setting up the conversions and setting up your traffic sources. Well, it's the, it's the, 
not even just the 80-20 of Google Analytics. It's probably the 95-5 of Google Analytics for the people who, who have never done it before. Right. I think it's it's important to start getting into it if we're not already doing it, tracking the Google Analytics. And even if we don't do the conversion, I feel like just setting up the Google Analytics on any website for a start is just a good place to start. And that's the easiest thing to do without getting overwhelmed. So, and just, or talking just to your web designer and ask them to set it up. I think that's, yeah. if you can't do it yourself, just ask your web designer to do it or find anybody on Fiverr or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Your future self will thank you. <laughs> Exactly. Also, if you, I mean, I, yeah. Speaking of Fiverr, I have a Google Analytics course on Fiverr. So if you want to learn GA, there, I, I have a course on Fiverr, and I, I I use Fiverr all the time for people, you know, to find people. And, and there's tons of people that are on there that are more than capable of setting this up for you. Exactly. Like, yeah. So I think I wanted to demystify all of that a little bit. You know, that if you can't do it on your own, I recommend to learn and go to Jeff's website if you're interested to get one of the courses because he has so many great courses on that. But if you feel like you don't have that time to go dig deep into it, although it would be nice to get familiar with at least, go and hire somebody to do it for you. I think that would be in the yeah. earlier, like you said, the, your future self will help you. And at some point, if you decide to invest in Google Ads, the earlier you have taken Google Analytics to collect data, the better you'll be able actually to have very good spent money on ads because the software will be used to like educated on the, on the audience you're trying to target. Is that correct? Or am I just guessing here? Um, yeah. So Google Analytics and Google ads are like peanut butter and jelly. They definitely belong together and they, mm -hmm. they thrive off of each other. Mm -hmm. So there's, there is benefits of having Google Analytics in place before you run Google ads. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and also Google analytics, if you do it right, you can track your Facebook ads in there. Um, there, you can track anything. You can track TikTok ads. Anytime you do influencer marketing, or if you're an influencer, you can add Google analytics URLs and make that trackable. And so it's, it's, it's the true, I call it the central nervous system or the brain of the internet of your internet. It's, it's like, it sits in the middle of everything. And it's the true, the only thing that, that can measure just about everything you do online everything you send back to your own website or your own owned properties. I love it. Thank you so much. This is so good. We could dig deeper. I feel like I could talk to you for hours about data and you still make it interesting and fun to talk about. So just if you wanted us to remember one thing about all of what you're trying to, to share with us today, what is that big message you want to make sure that our listeners hear, but also how we can make sure to keep it not so threatening or not so yeah. um, like demystifying a little bit what this whole data is about and how to approach it to be able to take full benefit of it. Yeah. Data is interesting. Data should be fun. Data shouldn't be intimidating. The whole point of this is, you know, back when I started, you needed to have a computer science degree for this to work. That was like 15, almost 20 years ago. Now it's in the hands of the marketer. It's in the hands of you to make this stuff work. It shouldn't need to be intimidating. Um, when I started teaching this 10 years ago, it was showing people code on a screen and people would fall asleep in my classes. <laughs> now I just show them what they can do when they install it. I show them how the plugins work. I show them how you can hire somebody on Fiverr and just make this thing work so you can spend time looking at the data and click around. The thing I tell people is you can't really break anything in your Google Analytics account. People are so afraid that they're going to break something or they're going to lose data. It's mm. pretty foolproof. It's almost impossible for you to break something. And mm. so just have at it. You can touch anything you want to. There's no like track of what reports you looked at, what you what was interesting to you. It's, it's a very intuitive interface. So you can just click around and discover something. 
it's your vehicle for discovery. And so once you get, once you realize this is meant to empower you, not to intimidate you, there's no end to the possibilities. Just have at it and have fun. Yay. I love that. Thank you so, so much. And you've got some great resources to share with us. So Nomad Nation, go to tandemnomads.com slash 256, and you'll be able to find all the great visuals and also the, the report that he shared with us where you could do the test yourself on your data, what kind of data you want to track in your business. So thank you so much for sharing that, Jeff. And before we say goodbye, is there anything you want to share about what's happening in your business, your world? Where do you want to send our listeners to to know more about you and what you have to offer? Yeah, so I have my website, datadrivenyou.com, and, and it's a pretty active blog where we talk about these topics, maybe a little bit more technical. Um, I have a YouTube channel that I'm that I'll share with you that you can put in the links. I'm starting to reactivate it. I went, I did 90 videos in 90 days about three oh. years ago. It sort of burned me out, and so I haven't been producing as much. But we're going to start opening the floodgates on that. I have courses on Skillshare um, that are about you know sort of snackable or or a lot less intimidating views of this stuff. So if you want to be inspired. I'm pretty active on Skillshare. You can find me there. And um, I'm going to be releasing one course a month, at least onto my Skillshare account this year. Wow. And so I'm going to be really active in giving away valuable, um, mostly inexpensive content. And then if you like it and you want to learn even more, then, then there's our data-driven use site to, to really become an expert. And so if you like this, you want to know enough to be dangerous, um, you know where to find me. And then if you want to know enough to be an expert or, or, you know, get over that imposter syndrome, then my advanced courses are really the way to go. Excellent. Thank you so, so much, Jeff. It's been great. Nomad Nation, as I said, all the information on tandemnomads.com slash 256. And please start early. I know it feels intimidating. When I started my journey six years ago, this all was so scary and it felt like I will never be able to do any of this. And this one message I can share with you with the technology today, it has democratized the access to high level data. So even small businesses and one sole entrepreneur or freelancer can do what we used to have to pay thousands and thousands of euros or dollars to be able to access that data coming from the advertising agency i can tell you that so i'm so fascinated that we have so much access to this technology so it will be such a shame to not start early to get familiar so that the earlier the start the better you'll be off down the road so this is a big message i wanted to share on my end so nomad nation i can't wait to um hear your feedback feel free to reach out to me on dm on instagram or by email connect at tandemnomads.com can't wait to hear from you and stay tuned for the next episode to turn your challenges into great opportunities.